0: It was one of the most anticipated matchups of the season so far. The battle of the unbeaten, South Carolina and LSU. The Tigers learned that beating the reigning national champions is not an easy thing to do whatsoever. We are breaking it all down today, and it starts right now. Ogumbo for the win. You are locked on women's basketball. Your daily podcast on women's basketball. Happy Monday, friends. It is February 13th, 2023. It is the day before Valentine's Day and the Monday after the Super Bowl. So you get to choose which one is going to be tougher for you. I am Missy Hydrick, National Women's Basketball Correspondent at The Next. Thank you so much for making Lockdown Women's Basketball your first listen every day. We are free and available wherever you get your podcasts. And today's episode is brought to you by LinkedIn. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the qualified candidates you want to talk to faster, Post your job for free at linkedin.com/slash-locked-on-nba. You can follow me on Twitter at Missy Hydrick, but be sure to follow this podcast at LockedOnWBB and come see us at the next www.thenexthoops.com. All right, yesterday was Super Bowl Sunday. Congratulations to the Kansas City Chiefs. I am wearing my Chiefs red, but the appetizer to that game was the battle of the unbeaten in women's college basketball. LSU went into a sold-out colonial life arena in Columbia, South Carolina, and tried to go toe-to-toe with the number one team in the nation. What can we take from this game? Who were the difference makers? What does it tell us about both teams? And what do voters say about this game and what's been going on in college basketball across the country this past week? We get to dive into all of it today with my colleague at the next Alice Simon and Alex not only covers women's basketball across the country, but he is also an AP top 25 voter. So magically this week's poll just dropped about an hour or so ago, and we are going to dissect that craziness too. All right, Alex, I have to admit, I think I've been one of those people that when we talk about the landscape of women's basketball and we talk about all of the great teams and the great players out there Sometimes it's just sort of an afterthought that the number one team in the nation is the reigning national champions. They are undefeated. They've been ranked number one for, you know, 30 weeks or whatever that number is. They just continue to be really, really good. I I think part of it is, is that we want to have all of these other teams and all of these other players be part of that spotlight. But in all reality, if it, There was one thing that I left in that game yesterday against a top five team in LSU is, is that South Carolina is really, really good.
1: Yeah. And I mean, it's not just that they're really good. It's that they are so much better than everybody else (laughs) and they have gotten better. But to me, the thing about yesterday that stood out the most is how much LSU's plan seemed to really be, Anybody but Aaliyah Boston is going to beat us. But we are going to force somebody else to do that. But this current South Carolina team has several players who can do that. And I did find it interesting. Boston only takes nine shots from the field all game. And on top of that, she only adds six free throws. So, Really, if you kind of count free throws as two per, that's only 12 shot attempts that she really has the entire game. She scores 14. Hey, decent number, not anywhere where she could be. But the entire game plan was clear. She's not the one beating us. So what happens? Well, Zaya Cook has a pretty darn solid game. Also, Kimberly Cardoso, uh, seven of nine from the field, 18 rebounds. It's nice when you can have the best center and the best player in the country. And oh, by the way, here's another center coming off the bench who we can go to. And I think that's where this South Carolina team for a while, and especially when I saw them in person against Stanford, that was a really big question is. Aaliyah got into foul trouble in that game. Who's gonna step up if we can't go to her? And she stepped up late, but this team now doesn't need doesn't need Aaliyah to some extent to be able to beat even the best teams in the country.
0: Well, and I think that says a lot also, first and foremost, says a lot about her and understanding, I think, what her role is on this team. When you're the reigning national player of the year, the assumption is, oh, well, I'm the one that's got to go get 20 and 15 every night, no matter what. So sometimes those are kids that are forcing shots and they're not playing within the system. They're trying to do too much. However, if you are, I think what she is, is a student of the game, uh, listens to her coaches who are incredibly smart is allow the game to come to you. If someone tries to take you out, Oh, by the way, you make the next pass. Now somebody's open. They get layup after layup. It was an 18 to two start South Carolina never trails oh, against South Car- against LSU. And I just felt like they were never not in control of this game at any point yesterday. I know it was a game of runs by LSU, But it just from the get-go, I mean, even from the first bucket out of the tip, you're like, oh, well, here we go. And they just seem to have a game plan that they executed flawlessly.
1: Well, LSU never led. Yeah. Like, that, that alone should be the number to tell you that, like, hey, yeah, there was a second quarter run LSU makes. They get it close, but they never retook the lead. And then South Carolina just completely pulls away throughout the entire second half. And to me, it was very obvious what South Carolina's defensive plan was, which was, Aaliyah, you're just, you're going to take Angel Reese out of this game. Mm-hmm. Like we they're going to attempt to do that to you. They're probably going to need to double you to do it sometimes. And to some extent, if you look at it, Angel is doing that whole, we, I need to still force my shots that we're talking that Aaliyah didn't try to do. Angel finishes same number of makes five, two more points than Aaliyah, 16, but on five of 15 shot attempts from the field and six of nine from the free throw line. So she's ending up with more possessions where she is taking the shot and doing that on top of that, her double double streak that she has had for a long time goes away. And she has probably the most important statistic of the game and the number that like, if you need it in Aaliyah Boston is still the player of the year argument. Yeah. Even if her numbers are down, what's the biggest number here that stands out to me? It is the goose egg, the zero offensive rebounds for mm-hmm. Angel Reese who only yep. ends up with four rebounds total on the game to have that one of the nation's leading rebounders go into this head-to-head matchup knowing that sh- that's how she impacts the game that's how she gets a lot of her good shots and you goose egg her on the defensive end and you don't give her a single offensive rebound and i think if i'm not mistaken lsu they ended up with nine in total the summer out of bounds but For Mm -hmm. especially Angel to be the player that she is coming into this game, the number she has to have zero offensive rebounds. That is like, you should just like, I would write Aaliyah Boston the candidacy right now with that, even though her numbers are down.
0: No, absolutely. And you have to also remember that Angel Reese, two fouls in that first quarter, has to sit for a really a a majority of that first half because of that foul trouble. It seemed to me a little bit frustrated, not necessarily getting position, as you said, not able to get herself any second chance opportunities. That's where she made a living at the free throw line as well over the course of the season. And if I can't get to the offensive glass, now all of a sudden that's a part of your game that's taken out that frustration starts to set in, the fouls come. And I think that played right into what South Carolina wanted to do. Don't give them second chances, make them have to beat us other ways.
1: The only thing I'll say to the she sat is that it felt like she sat for a long time because True. that's what she, she played 34 minutes.
0: True. Still. So, <laughs> yeah. she,
1: for as much as she sat, the reason why every second she sits, this is a very good LSU team. Mm-hmm. I want to say that this is a very good LSU team. And I, you know, I've come on with you multiple times this year, Missy, at some points, doubting this LSU team, and I've eaten some crow. (laughs) I still think they're a very good team, but the one thing they don't have, especially compared to this South Carolina team, is depth. And you can every second that Reese isn't on the floor, you can feel her presence missing in a matchup like this, where even if she still played 34 minutes in this game, Mm -hmm. it felt like a lot more than that, because those minutes are really impactful when she's not there. and. I have more I want to talk about with this LSU team, but I think that's where this South Carolina team can be so impactful. You don't need to run your, I mean, some of their starters, Victoria Saxon, got pulled and only played 16 minutes because Cardoso did so well. You can right. just, when you can pull the ACE out of the hole in that way off the bench, like Cardoso to just come in and do that Raven Johnson coming off the bench, playing 21 minutes, scoring 10 points, having some assists to help keep the ball moving. Like th- this is what makes South Carolina the team they are is that they go eight deep of players that they can do play in any game Mm -hmm. and those players can impact and win games for you. And there's very few teams in the country that can do it in these highest of the high level games, the way that they can.
0: No, I think you're absolutely right. And depth is such a huge piece of it. One of those factors being who the points that they got from their bench, 34 for South Carolina yesterday, just 15 for LSU. And you said Cardosa, she comes in at 18 points. She's got 13 boards. She gives them almost 21 and a half minutes, but seven of nine from the field. And that's just, that was layups. That was putbacks. That was position basketball, things that they were able to do. There were multiple times Zaya Cook goes baseline. Nobody's there in help side. She's got an easy lane to the basket. They get penetration points and ones. All of the above. To me, though, one of the kind of the young Sun players, and I know she doesn't get as much of the conversation. And, and I hope that as the SEC voting comes for you know all, all conference teams and defensive teams and etc. But I I'm bullish on Bria Bell. I think B or Biel, Excuse me. I think she has been one of those players who has been an outstanding defender. But when they need her to score, she can. She hits that three at the end of the third quarter, which really I felt was kind of a dagger bucket. You know, people don't you go back and think about, Okay, now they were it was a it was a nine Then it was seven, then it was 11, then it was 13. She hits that three. And I think that was just a a, a ability for South Carolina to take a breath and say, you know what? We are in control of this thing. I don't think they're able to defend as well without Beal in the ballgame.
1: And she really she is the type of player that like differentiates between championship teams and just very good teams. Her numbers really over her career have actually been kind of the same, which is not necessarily what you would want. But it's in the sense that she plays the very specific role that the Gamecocks have and she plays it extremely well. And you can't, you can't try to force seven superstars into doing things in that way. You do need players who know how to do specific tasks, specific roles and specific things who can step up when you need them. And she is absolutely that player. And I think you've seen this kind of from her when they've been at their best really in this entire run, you know, Mm -hmm. they're, I, you know, they have to win the game. So you don't want to say this, but like to me, they seem pretty ticketed to make their third straight final four with this core that Mm -hmm. like. She is a key reason why, and even if she's not the offensive presence, she matters so much to what they do defensively. She helps them do – I mean, yesterday alone, 11.7 rebounds, four assists. That's a pretty darn great split from a player who, in a lot of ways, is not where your team is going to have the other teams focus on in that way.
0: Absolutely, and you got to have that. And I think Don Staley would tell you, any any coach that's won a championship will tell you, You've got to have role players. You've got to have people accept and understand what it is they have to do to help their team win. I think Beal for South Carolina may be one of those biggest factors for them as they move forward. Okay, in just a moment, it's time to talk more about this LSU Tiger team and what comes next for Kim Mulkey's squad in February and in March. Because March is just, we are not that far But first, a message from our friends at LinkedIn. So as a small business owner or a hiring manager, you know that success in 2023 all depends on the team members you surround yourself with. So that's why you have to check out LinkedIn Jobs. With LinkedIn Jobs, you can hire qualified candidates more efficiently by matching open roles with people who have the skills, values, and experiences to help you achieve your goals we all have been contacted or sought out by someone through LinkedIn, made great connections, and that's where a lot of success happens. So LinkedIn Jobs helps you quickly attract qualified candidates to your open jobs with targeting tools. They go beyond resume data by using insights for your job post. identifies the most qualified candidates on LinkedIn Jobs, and you connect with them fast and for free. LinkedIn Jobs makes it easy to screen and rate applicants based on their job qualifications, all on one platform. It's why small businesses rate LinkedIn Jobs number one in delivering quality hires and leading competitors. So LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the qualified candidates you want to talk to faster. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash NBA. That's linkedin.com slash NBA to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. Hi, everybody. I am Missy Hydrick, and thank you for making Lockdown Women's Basketball your first listen today. I am here with Alex Simon, and we are breaking down what was a fantastic matchup, an 88-64 win by South Carolina over LSU yesterday. It keeps South Carolina undefeated, the first loss of the year for LSU. They are 23-1, now 11-1 in the SEC. Alex, let's talk a little bit about this LSU squad We, if we go back, I think you and I chatted maybe the first, I think it was the first Monday of 2023. And it was also when everybody wanted to start talking about net rankings and quality of wins and who everybody's played. And we want to talk about that strength of schedule. And that was usually, and I think it was one of the biggest question marks that a lot of people have had about this LSU team coming into the SEC season was they hadn't had that strong of a non-conference schedule. Ironically, this game against South Carolina yesterday is their first game against a ranked team that they played all year. So my question to you, as you look at what we saw yesterday on the floor, um, has that, um, I don't even know how we want to call it, what we want to say, maybe has has that spotlight that we've shown a little bit on that lack of non-con to get this team ready, Was it for real? And what is this LSU squad, the real deal? Can they make a run?
1: Uh, I, I found this, I mean, this team's been the most fascinating team to me in the country because of this. I was very harsh on them in their non-conference, not just because of what it looked like, but even how they looked within that they played some games where they did not look like a team that was supposed to be one of the top teams in the country. Uh, they have improved over time. Angel Reese has been sensational all season long. But what, what you saw yesterday was to some extent to me, like I found what actually was most interesting about yesterday's game to be Thursday night when the NCAA selection committee dropped their first of their two top 16 seed rankings and whatnot. And the undefeated, in the, an undefeated SEC team in LSU came in technically ranked fifth by the committee and they were a number two seed. And to me that was, you know, even though the AP poll had them up to three, that was as big of a sign as any as we don't respect what you guys have done this year, relative to your ranking. You guys didn't mm-hmm. play anybody who's turned out well in non-conference their best non-conference game really is against an Oregon state team. Who's in the bottom half of the Pac 12 yeah. Yeah. this year. Um, And sure, they beat them by a lot. But again, it's a bottom half of a a different power conference team as your best opponent. Mm -hmm. And what you saw yesterday was really up until we get to the SEC tournament, their one true chance at a statement game. Yeah. And in that regard, it was a statement game, but it's not a good statement for the Tigers. It kind of shows there is a gap between them and where they would be trying to go. And it kind of proved the committee and people who have been skeptical of them right that hey, look, this is a very good team. I'll keep reiterating that. They're very good. They are not great. They are not elite. They are not even close, I would argue, to being a great team for Mm -hmm. as much as they are very good. And they are very much have some limitations that I don't think their schedule has given them a chance to properly test themselves.
0: No, I would agree with you that. Okay, I went back and I looked at some of the scores prior to yesterday. If you go four of their last five games before they played South Carolina – it was a three-point win over Arkansas, an eight-point win over Tennessee, a five-point They did,
1: point win. They did okay. kill Alabama right there, too. They did we, kill Alabama the in
0: there. Yeah, so, I mean, that was a decisive win against an improved Alabama squad, who I think has been on some people's radar. They're going to be sitting on the bubble when things come to shake out, I think, in March. An eight-point win over Tennessee, a five-point win over Georgia, and then the six-point win over Texas A&M. So as you said, this is not necessarily – it hasn't been world-beater success. And I give credit to Kim Mulkey. I thought what she said post-game yesterday was, um, you know, very honest. And I think she, she sees it that the level of what South Carolina has is what they strive to be at LSU. Had a, would a lot of people have thought in year two of Kim Mulkey at LSU that this is where they would have been sitting and this would have been their first loss of the year? Probably not. But I think when you want to start compa- – we're not comparing apples to apples here with these two teams. I think it's very different because the depth is not necessarily there and there just isn't necess- – I don't think that an extra one-two punch, who's the two – Night in, night out with Angel Reese. That's my biggest question right now.
1: Well, and I did find this to be a super fascinating thing from Kim in kind of reading her post game quotes. Um, The great Corey Diaz over at The Advertiser in New Orleans, who I enjoy following to keep up with what's happening with LSU, was tweeting some quotes from Kim. And the quote that stood out to me was like, we had the fight in us to cut it down at times, but we didn't have the experience. And that's a super interesting thing to kind of hear because of the fact that LSU starts three of five seniors. And the one that you kind of sort of saw step up yesterday, at least into the scoring vacuum, was Alexis Morris. But again, she scores 23 points. It, she went 11 of 29 from the field. Scoring 23 points on 29 yeah. shots is, is not, if it's the opposite of efficient in that regard. It's so inefficient that it hurts your offense mm-hmm. in that way. And when you have so many other players, I mean, G takes 29 shots. Reese takes 15. So that's 44. The other players, the entire other players on the roster combined for 21 of their 65 shots outside of those two that they have a vacuum that they haven't seemed to find a way to fill. I thought the way that Mulkey decided to not use Flaw J. Johnson, FJJ yesterday, she only plays 11 minutes, even though she starts Kind of was alarming to me because she is maybe that number three on this team. She's been the number three most of the season. She's averaged the third most points beneath Reese and Morris, but she got into some foul trouble early and she then just didn't play much. She only, she commits three fouls in 11 minutes. I get why you can't play her if she's not ready for the moment, but that's kind of Kim saying the same thing I'm seeing, which is this team didn't seem ready for the moment. And are they going to get a chance to be tested before the moment is the SEC title game in the NCAA tournament?
0: No, I think that's a great question. And, I mean, couldn't have asked for a better environment, a sold-out crowd. South Carolina has incredible women's basketball fans. They, um, they have a great basketball IQ. They understand when the moment is coming, when, you know, when to cheer, when to get their defense energized. They do all of those things right. So if you're Kim Mulkey and her staff thinking, hey, if I wanted to put my kids in a, a high-level environment, couldn't have asked for a better one. Did they show up the way that she probably would have hoped? I don't think so. Um, and that's what the learning curve is going to have to be now. So you've got to look at it for the last two weeks of the regular season and then headed to the SEC postseason tournament. What do they learn from this game? And what do they take going to the end of February and into March?
1: And as we look ahead, there's, they get a very interesting game as their next one, this upcoming Thursday. They host Ole Miss who has been kind of in that top the like middle of the top they're 8 and 3 in the SEC old miss is 19 and 5 overall they actually i believe they play tonight um old miss does against kentucky here on monday night yeah on the yeah. sec network so they might even be 9 and 3 20 and 5 overall that's a really interesting test right away and then after that it's at florida at vanderbilt home for mississippi state they're f- so it's a four game stretch where maybe LSU gets another loss and that might not be a bad thing. I would argue for this Mm -hmm. team if they do get picked off, but if they don't and you go into the SEC tournament, you may only get to, they'll get a bye at this point all the way through to the quarterfinals. Are you going to get challenged really heavily in either the quarters or the semis before it's South Carolina again in the championship? That's a really tough no, because on the whole, there is some quality in the SEC this year, but it is a down year for this conference. And I think that that fact is actually hurting this LSU team on the court more than necessarily it is helping them with getting all of these wins. I think they needed teams that have been better in the past to be good this year, to challenge the whole conference in a stronger way this year.
0: No, I would agree with you. I think top heavy in the SEC and, you know, we can dissect a box score all you want, it, it some of the things that I would pull out for LSU. One thing that actually stood out to me, even though they don't, they didn't have the answer defensively and couldn't find ways to score the basketball. They only turned it over nine times against South Carolina. And I think that if I, if you're going to pull something out and say, all right, we did handle some of that pressure. You did handle the environment maybe better than anticipated, but, if you only have nine trips where you don't get a shot, then the other ones have to be more efficient. And even though Alexis Morris goes 11 for 29, as you said, that is just that is high volume shooting with not a lot on the other end. And I think LSU is going to have to become a little bit more set oriented. They've got to be a little bit more um, strategic in finding ways to get Angel Reese opportunities. Yeah, she had foul trouble. There were some defensive issues. Credit to Boston and what South Carolina did. But I think if I'm LSU, you maybe go back to the drawing board just a little bit and say, okay, how can we be better on offense? What are some different looks? What are some different ways that we can score? Because what we tried to do against South Carolina just didn't
1: work. And also, it doesn't help when you're shooting that much volume, but you're not really forcing the defense to stretch because they only took five three-point attempts. They only make one. That's how you can even as a team that normally gets a lot of offensive rebounds against this South Carolina team, they're tough to get rebounds against period anyway. And they killed LSU on the glass. I think it's 43 to 25 yeah. is the final rebound spread. But uh, if you aren't forcing them to stretch their defense out to the three point line, that doesn't open up space inside. And, and it kind of showed in this game. So we will see LSU's going to have some very interesting tests here even if they should pass them, I will be interested to see how they adjust going ahead.
0: I agree with you. Tests and question marks. That is what's on the board for LSU. Okay. When we come back, it's time to talk about this week's AP top 25. What better way to do it than one of our very own, who is a voter. Thank you, Alex. All right. But in just before we do that, the midway point of the NBA season is here, and now is the perfect time to download FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook, because new p- customers get a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000. Now, I know FanDuel is on fire. It was the Super Bowl yesterday. Everybody had a prop bet on everything, but you can do the same thing now that we're getting into it. That's bonus bets back to you if your first bet doesn't win. So just download the, the FanDuel Sportsbook app. It's safe, secure, secure, and super easy to use. Then you can bet on everything from the money line to point scores and threes drained, everything throughout the NBA season. You can put a bet on it, I promise. Plus, FanDuel even lets you combine your bets for a chance at a bigger payout with the same game parlay. So don't miss the chance to get your no sweat first bet up to $1,000 in bonus bets when you go to FanDuel.com slash locked on. It's FanDuel.com. Locked on to learn more. Make every moment more with FanDuel, the official sport betting partner of the NBA. Hi, everybody. I am Missy Heidrich. Thank you for joining us here on Locked on Women's Basketball. I am with Alex Simon. And Alex, all right, it is Monday, which means we've got a new AP Top 25 poll. And we've got movement and a lot of storylines and things going on. Obviously the number one in, in all of it was uh, everyone wanted to see what the outcome would be of the South Carolina LSU game. Well, South Carolina gets a big win at home. They stand defeated. They are absolutely the number one team in the country. They will stay that way. I think even if they maybe lose one, I, it would be hard for me to not vote them. Number one, if I was a voter.
1: Well, remember <laughs> they lost two in the SEC last year and never budged from number one. So I think there you go. at this point, it, There will be a little bit that we can talk about with the team who's at number two that could, I guess, maybe make the argument if they lost twice here. I just don't see it happening anyway, but they definitely have they have a grace loss for sure to stay at one right now.
0: Absolutely. All right. LSU drops to number five, which isn't overly um, surprising just because that is a big their first loss of the season. But the other teams, number two is Indiana, at three and four is Stanford, uh, three is Stanford, Utah at four. Two Pac-12 teams, they play each other not until February 25th, so that is the matchup that we won't see until the end of the month. Indiana sits at number two. They've got a game tonight, Monday the 13th of February, 6 p.m. Central on the Big Ten Network. They play Ohio State. Talk to me a little bit about Indiana as a voter. What do you see out of this team? What do you see ahead for them going forward?
1: I mean, they've lost one time all season in the maybe the toughest conference in college basketball. Yeah. It's not very, to me, number two is not very difficult right now. But when you look at Indiana, they also have the toughest finish to the season, maybe in the country. Mm-hmm. They just played Thursday against Iowa. They beat them at home. It was a very fun game, a huge game on the Big Ten Network. Oh, by the way, here's the turnaround. You now play, like we said, tonight against Ohio State. Thursday, you host Michigan. Sunday, you get your in-state rival Purdue back. And then, hey, to finish the regular season, you have to then go to Iowa City and take on Caitlin Clark again, like, two and a half weeks after you played her the first time and score off of them again. Like, Indiana's kind of in this weird spot where they absolutely have earned their way to be here at the top of the Big Ten. They're a game ahead of Iowa. They're a game and a half ahead of Maryland. And yet, like, I like, I saw a Maryland beat writer pointing out it isn't very difficult to find the path for Maryland to finish in first place in the Big Ten because of the schedules that so many of these teams have left. I mean, mm-hmm. even Iowa, they finished this season, like, not this week we're currently in, but next week they're at Maryland hosting Indiana. Could you see Iowa losing both games? Absolutely. So I, I, I just... The Big Ten has been an awesome, awesome year this year, and it's not stopping at all going into the finish of this year with these teams. And that's every single night we get a Big Ten showcase. It seems like we're getting some unreal basketball right now.
0: No, I would agree with you. And a lot of people have said, you know, Ohio State, they're 21 and four. They were undefeated just a few weeks ago. And then they faced the gauntlet. Um, Granted, they weren't 100%. They get J.C. Sheldon back. I think that makes a difference for them. I think that's what makes this game interesting tonight against Indiana is her return to the lineup being more at 100%, giving them another perimeter look. And she's just a great leader out front. But I think as we kind of move down this poll, and you're out on the West Coast, let's talk a little bit. There's four Pac-12 teams, um, and I think Stanford and Utah are just an intriguing storyline. They play. You're
1: two. There's six Pac-12. Teams. I'm sorry, there's six, four, six. There's there's because uh, USC has snuck in on the bottom. Colorado's there at 21. I know it's tough to sometimes That's remember right. that like, I know, I, that, and I apologize. I don't there, want
0: but. to short them. I don't want to short them, but. And I think it's great to see USC jump in there at number 25, because I think that s- tells a story about what Lindsey Gottlieb is doing at USC, that they are positioning themselves, obviously to be part of po- of the postseason season picture. Um, but as you look at where everybody is and-, and we all sit here and say, we think South Carolina just hands above is one of the best in the nation. You saw them play Stanford. You saw them go up against a uh, Tara Vanderveer's squad. Seems to me that, Stanford might be finding a different level and a different groove right now as they head into the end of February. How does that bode for the Cardinal going forward?
1: I would wholeheartedly agree with you if I hadn't also watched them drop a game to the ninth place team in the Pac-12 Washington all of eight (laughs) days ago. And I think this Stanford team, Like I was, I was talking about this with a friend, like right now I would like earmark 1.5 teams into the final four and not think about it. South Carolina is there. And I've kind of been saying, it seems like it was always going to be South Carolina, Stanford. And then whoever gets the last two spots is the question. But Stanford has been just inconsistent enough, even in some of its wins, you know, they only beat the 10th place team in Cal by four. They only beat 11th place to Oregon state by three at home recently. In the last month, I think the Arizona win that they had on national TV on ESPN was as much kind of Stanford writing its own ship. And it reminded me at least a little bit of their national title winning year where they lost their only two games were back to back. They lost to a Colorado team that was at the time kind of emerging into this really solid team. And then they then returned home, lost to UCLA, though, I'll put home in quotations because that was during COVID and they were having to play a county over in a random right. league gym. So like that team, you needed kind of those losses to refine its identity and figure it out. And I wonder Stanford's upcoming slate. They have the LA schools coming to the Bay area this upcoming weekend. So they host USC Friday. They're going to have a nationally televised game next Monday. after So after we would talk for your podcast next Monday, if you had me back mm-hmm. uh, against UCLA and then they go to Colorado, Utah. I mean, they have four, current ranked teams left of their four regular season games utah like the pac-12 is just going to keep beating itself up um and it should mean though that the seven teams that are there sh- should be nightmare opponents to whoever they face in the ncaa tournament i would want to have any pac-12 team on the other side of me uh in the tournament at that point well,
0: I agree with you, and I think the Pac-12 is a lot like, I think, the Big 12, I think we're seeing in the ACC, where you do beat up on each other. That that gauntlet and grind of who you have to play night in, night out, so in a double round robin, travel partner setup, however the league is structured, that that becomes a really tough Way to have to make it through the month of February. You know, you look at the Big 12, you look at what has happened, you know, with Iowa State, Texas, yes, they're up three, they're now at number 17. Oklahoma continues to sort of survive and they stay there in the top 15. But I think Iowa State is a great example. Even a team like Baylor, who started the season with such high hopes, ranked high in the polls, and now isn't even part of the conversation just simply because of how hard it is to find those wins and you can get beat at home and it's hard to get wins on the road.
1: Well, and they'll make the tournament. They're just not in the top 25 at the moment, but I think you can just look at it based off of like the fact that Stanford and Utah are at the top of the PAC 12 with two conference losses. Yeah. Texas (laughs) is at the top of the big 12 with two conference losses. Still Mm -hmm. Duke is the current leader in the ACC with two conference losses. And we just talked about Indiana They only have one conference loss at the top of the big 10. And we also just talked about how they might lose two or three games still down the finish here. And I think that to me is kind of showing that like, there is so much quality depth in so many of these conferences where even when you go play, you know, I broke down the Stanford one, being here in the Bay area, I know it the best Mm -hmm. because I cover them consistently, but like everybody is getting tested night in and night out in some of these conferences, even if you don't think it's, a team that really should be giving you a scare you show up and you just never know what's going to happen. And I think, you know, for a team like Iowa, Wisconsin's had a down season, but like, I'm sure I was a little scared of them come Wednesday night coming down to Iowa city. And maybe that's going to be a tough matchup. You know, Ohio state has three really known tough games left home for Indiana at Michigan home for Maryland. But the other one is at Penn state. And I'm sure they're just as terrified of that matchup too. So I think what we're starting to see is so many of the power five schools keep beating each other up. I have also started to float a lot more mid majors into the bottom of my poll and we're seeing it in the big poll as well. And we can give, you know, I'm out West, so I'll do this especially, but like UNLV and the mountain West is into the poll for the first time in almost 30 years under a former Stanford alum, Lindy LaRock. But like that, the teams that have started to kind of be really strong in the mid majors have probably floated higher into the pole than normal. Gonzaga even lost a game in the West coast conference and they're holding steady at number 20, which Mm -hmm. is not typical for a mid major if you do drop a conference game. So um, I will be very curious to see where teams end up on the seed line in the long run, but it's certainly been a chaotic season beneath the South Carolina level. They're they're the one team kind the of impervious to the chaos. But no,
0: I, I think you're right. And some and you know, what is that? That the best rise. And so South Carolina can kind of look above everybody else and watch all of the craziness happen below them. And I think that's absolutely true. You know, one of the things I took away from talking with Lisa Peterson, who is the chair of the women's basketball division one committee and the selection committee was that what they're hearing uh, from coaches across the country is that we're parody, that it is becoming more of the norm that we're seeing. And I think that also is not just in your power fives. It isn't just in the big East, which in itself is becoming incredibly competitive. Yukon Marquette Villanova continues to be one of those top teams. Those are people you don't want to see in your bracket but as i look at as you talked about UNLV they're 24 and 2 they're 14 and 0 in the mid in the mountain west you've got south florida they bounce out just because they had one loss but you've got teams like cleveland state south dakota state rhode island florida gulf coast middle tennessee those teams are in receiving votes in this week's AP Top 25, and if that yeah. doesn't tell you, then how difficult some of these regions are going to be come March, and even their conference postseason tournaments. Holy smokes! I mean, it's it's going to be a little bit crazy.
1: And, and UConn, by the way, who lost to Marquette last week, and this upcoming Saturday is going to Philly to take on Villanova, and if they lose, they would not be in first place in the Big East. So. That's a rather important distinction to make for them that way that uh, we're going to. Yeah, if we're going to end up South Carolina is probably going to have a goose egg. We might see Indiana and LSU drop a few more losses that like the team who's the second best team in the country by the end of the regular season still has like either a three or a four or maybe even a five in the loss column by the time we get there. And they will, like, deserve to be the number two team in the country. And that should show you the parity we're seeing.
0: No, absolutely. I 100% agree. All right, Alex, thank you so much, my friend. Where does everybody find you on a daily basis? Uh,
1: That's over at Bay Area News Group. uh, You can see us in the San Jose Mercury News or the East Bay Times, you know, mercurynews.com slash sports to see everything we do. Uh, My weekly poll kind of goes up in a post every week for the AP poll. I'm over at Stanford as often as my schedule can let me to see the women's team there. So uh, check me out there and on Twitter at Alex Simon sports, as you see on our little fancy graphic that you made there Missy.
0: Our on the magic screen. All right. Well, thank you so much. As we said, we think uh, after today for both of us, I think South Carolina head and shoulders number one deserves to be talked about all the time. I know I've got to do a better job. And part of that is just because they're just really, really good. And so hats off to them on a huge win yesterday to cap off or to start Super Bowl Sunday. All right, everybody. I mean,
1: that was my Super Bowl. Let's be honest. The football game (laughs) was the dessert. That matchup was my Super Bowl. So.
0: There you go. I think, well, I'm in the Midwest. I will, uh, for in full disclosure, I live in the greater Kansas City area. So uh, there is a lot of red and a lot of happy people. Maybe a few of them hung over. Not everybody maybe got to work on time today, but that's okay. If they got there at all. (laughs) Yes. uh, Schools have been canceled for Wednesday. There's going to be a parade downtown. This place is going to be nuts for the next week or so and rightly deserved. Um, So hats off and congratulations to all the Chiefs fans out there. I hope you have a great time celebrating. All right, you can find me at Missy Hydrick on Twitter. As I said, be sure to follow all of us at The Next Hoops and this podcast at Lockdown Women's Basketball. Join me here on Mondays. We talk about women's college basketball every week. More episodes all week, though, right here on Lockdown Women's Basketball. More college basketball news and notes, everything going on in the WNBA as well as international. We have you covered. So thank you for making Lockdown Women's Basketball your first listen today. Now, make your second listen, Game to Game NBA. Every moment, every top performance, every result, Lockdown Game to Game NBA covers every game from across your area with local analysis that only Lockdown can deliver. Follow Game to Game NBA on the Lockdown Network, available on the Odyssey app, YouTube, and wherever you get your podcasts. Thank you, everybody. Happy Super Bowl Monday, and happy Valentine's Day one day early. We will see you all next time right here on Lockdown Women's Basketball.